On this podcast, we talk about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. And this is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Social Antics with myself, Dave and Owen. How are you? I'm good. I'm just happy to be here, as always. Happy to be alive. Happy to be alive. What's happened to you this week? Good weekend. Um, a few drinks with the lads to forget this time of the year where we're grading inside the university, which is a particularly... This is your fun time of the year, isn't fun it? Fun time of year, yeah, exactly. Um, but on brighter news, we got accreditation. The business school that I'm working for, which is good. Oh, you're, you're, you're top of the world now, isn't it? Top 200 business schools in the world. I saw 2%, that sounds better. And 2%, and 2% <laughs> whichever way you want to frame it, like, do you know what I mean? So, top 2% of the world of business schools. Business schools, yeah. Very good, very good. You get a big promotion now, I'd say, will you? No, unfortunately not. That's a touchy <laughs> subject. We won't, be, we won't talk about the individual achievement. It's the sum of the money is all That's I'm interested in. Team effort, team effort. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Very yeah, good, yeah. very good. No fair play. Um, this week we we actually got quite excited. This week, um, we got our first gifted beer. <laughs> our first <laughs> gifted beer. We're obviously doing something. Like we're coming up in the world. Yeah, we yeah. didn't have to buy the beer this week, so neither of us bought no, the beer. So it was gifted to us. Gifted. In between that and an ad, gifted. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, because it's not an ad. So just to be clear, honest review. We still didn't pay. We for are it. not. We are not getting paid for doing it. We were not coerced into giving a favorable review. It's an honest review. We haven't had, well, might have had one before the podcast, but this is an honest review. Um, yeah, no mucking about. So looking after their own, uh, Yellow Belly down in Wexford sending us up some beers this week. So they sent us in the uh, was Citra, Citra Pale Ale, which I think the, the, the packaging, the branding and the cans look absolutely fantastic. We had a look online and they kind of carry the team out through all their beers. And you spotted that even there's kind of comic book side of things on the... On the it's actually, yeah, it's actually bizarre. So, like, so one, when we got these at first, I was very disappointed because there was no... So the way usually we tell the little story that's written on the, the side of the can. Yeah, exactly, with the foggy mountains and the wolf coming out from the fucking forest, that kind of shit. Um, there's none of that at all. And mm. I was kind of going, well... The company what focusing we, on the beer. What do we talk about now? Um, but no, actually, if you go onto their... Um, if you go onto their website... They've created um, comic books that tell the story of the fella. This fella who's on the front of their can is basically kind of a kind of a circus type character, or looks like a circus type character, um, and it's actually designed by someone internally within their organization. And they tell the story of the beer via this character through comic books, which is completely and utterly mental. So. I just took some stuff down from the um, from the website, which I'm going to read because it's actually a very very interesting way of describing kind of brand characters and things like that. So the yellow be- the yellow belly, which is the name of the main character, which spans all of their different beers, um, we know and love, is an interdimensional time traveling brewer. Believe it or not, but he had humble beginnings. He started life as an amalgamation of all of the brewery founders, combining their traits under the umbrella of a top hat and a handlebar moustache. Obviously, the designer took the inspiration from all the different mm. um, the founders of the business and basically embedded that within the character itself. So, 
Then in terms of the design in and of itself, the inspiration came from everything from Gangs of New York, which you can see, um, to the Wexford landmark statue of the Pikeman. I have no idea what that is, but I presume you do. Yep. Um, was mined for inspiration for our character. And after a series of iteration and uh, sketches, he started to come to life. And it's actually mental. Like, I mean, there's the different trilogies of comics. There's the Blue Belly trilogy, which is his um, alter ego or arch nemesis, the Yellow Belly. But it's just like, it's just a very, very different way of um a different way of kind of communicating oh it is yeah absolutely you download all the comic books and stuff like that but it's actually like so i would say the description and the comic books are actually very very well written and they're very very detailed so i took one paragraph out of it which is is incredible right so it says god knows what this is going to be now (laughs) it says we imagine the character as a worldly globetrotter an adventurer who would get into scraps and crazy situations all framed within a gothic pseudo-Victorian universe. That's an inc- that's incredible writing. As they would say in Wexford, that's queer good. <laughs> that's queer good. Never heard that well, before. Never no, I'm, heard down that here, before. I'm down here now. It's bit out me now. Yeah, this fair enough, fair enough. But even, but even look, they seem like a fun kind of a brand yeah. anyway. Like even their um, their Russian Imperial Stout is called It's Not Vodka, which I think again <laughs> is kind of funny. Like you know, so yeah. no, look, they create. I think they said they've brewed over three hundred beers. I, I think, saw there. Like yeah, they're going since two thousand and fifteen. They have four main ones, but all together about three hundred beers, limited editions, all that kind of stuff. So. Phenomenal, doing very yeah, well. So, so uh, no, we literally didn't know this until like ten minutes before we started the podcast. Yeah. We nice box arrived. Yeah, box arrived. We had to decide, okay, what do we actually know about this beer? But um, no, it's it's really interesting. Yes. It stands out um, as a beer brand. Um, so fair play, the lads. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So, so I suppose this week what we're going to kind of focus on is on the back of um, a documentary that's after popping up on Netflix called White Hot, which focuses all around. I suppose the rise and the fall of Amber Crombie and Fitch over over the last few years, um, definitely, definitely on the fall side. Of it, I suppose in terms of the practices going on w- within the management style, um, choice of clothing, and all that kind of side of stuff. So, um, it was actually a really, really interesting documentary. You recommended me to go and have a look at it, um, and a lot of stuff I didn't realize about what was actually happening within the organization. You know, I wouldn't have had much dealings with them ever before. Never really shopped there once. I think I went into one. Of them. But um, and you were and you, and you were told to leave told, yeah. under no uncertain circumstances. I didn't, I didn't fit the profile <laughs> that they wanted inside in there. Um, but no, phenomenal documentary. Um, you know, it was really kind of giving insight. What was interesting though was from very one side, I suppose, in terms of you know it wasn't the 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 CEO didn't you know make a comment. It was states in it that they asked him to make a comment and he declined and all this. Um, well, it well, I mean, to be fair, it gives the witness accounts of the people who were in the leadership team. Okay, the CEO wasn't involved, but I mean, the guys who were central to the creative process yeah. at the time in the kind of nineties two thousands were interviewed. Um, no, really, really interesting documentary, which kind of. I suppose it's a documentary about multiple different things, right? So one, it's a documentary about the power of advertising, but it's also about how advertising interpret or more likely interpretations of advertising changes as society develops and mm-hmm. for want of a better word gets more intelligent. So as we can once we decided not to be completely racist, misogynistic, yeah. um, pigeonholing certain ideas of masculinity. Then all of a sudden people started going, okay, we don't want to actually support this brand anymore, which I think is really, really interesting. So no, really, really fascinating documentary. I think it's worth them. 
actually just to give people a kind of a sense, which is a quote from the CEO. The CEO was called, off the top of my head, it's... Mike, um, Mike Jeffries. Mike Jeffries. So a number of, I think it was 2006, um, he, he did an interview with a magazine and he came up with this quote, which is an incredible quote from a CEO if you, if you take it in today's context. So what he said was... That's why we hire good-looking people in our stores, because good-looking people attract other good-looking people, and we want to market to cool, good-looking people. Obviously, very good at like cool talking people. this particular interview. Very Trump kind of, I am, <laughs> I am great because, yeah. you know, I'm great. Um, we don't market to anyone other than that, he said. So then to go on, he said, in every school, there are the cool and the popular kids, and then there are the not-so-cool kids candidly we go after the cool kids we go after the attractive all-american kid with a great attitude and a lot of friends a lot of people don't belong in our clothes and they can't belong are we exclusionary absolutely which is just an incredible quote from any ceo today you know yeah you wouldn't get away with now but i think going back to like to give a bit of context i suppose to a the, the style of models they were going for, the people working inside in the store, they, they had even literally, they had manuals of what these people needed to look like, act yeah. like, um, you know, be involved in sports, ripped, you know, uh, white males, tall. Jocks, basically. Jocks, basically, yeah. So what was interesting, like even going on the whole area of influencer marketing, they were, wherever their stores were located in certain areas, they were going to the local universities, getting the, you know, the the main cool king of the class kind of a thing and getting him involved in Abercrombie Fitch, you know, giving him a whole load of clothing to basically wear and then he was becoming a trendsetter in his little group. But what they also did is they were also looking for um, upcoming celebrities that hadn't broke onto the scene yet in terms of like, so they, you know, in terms of the female side of things, they had Taylor Swift, they had Jennifer Lawrence, uh, they had Chang Tatum, Aston Kutcher, you know, all these kind of, and obviously... This was before they really, really broke onto the scene and now they're global superstars. So they were they were obviously identifying key people that were making it in their areas, in their fields. But that whole area of trend setting, they knew how to tap into markets and they knew how to kind of create this tribe and this fantasy and this, you know, group that you wanted to be part of. And I was even thinking of, you know, obviously they're not going anywhere near the, the ethics of how they run, ran this company, but I was even thinking, you know, closer to home, even the likes of, Gymshark, Gym Plus Coffee, all these, like, you know, they've now, you know, exploded onto the scene. You're seeing them everywhere. Do you know? It's kind of that same kind of thing that next thing, you know, it's trend setting. You get the groups involved and start spreading from there. I think what it is, though, and what brands nowadays do a lot, um, a lot better, right, is that, so if you look at Consumer Psychology 101, it goes back to this whole idea of the self-concept. And the self-concept is made up of multiple different parts, but for the purposes of just going through quickly, is the actual self and the ideal self. Actual self, how I see myself in the world now, how I think other people perceive me, um, how I see myself in the world at this very, very moment in time. The ideal self then, how I want to be perceived by other people, how I want to see myself in the world, what I want my social reality to look like effectively. With... Amber Crombie and Fitch, that kind of aspirational or mm. ideal self that they were trying to construct through their advertising and so on and so forth was, I'm going to say, even though they kind of gave this idea of kind of the all-American kind of thing, and it was that kind of jock attitude of being good at sports, predominantly it was how you looked. Mm. There wasn't a huge amount of like personality. Act- Whereas if you look at Gymshark, 
it's more aspirational, but in terms of different people, different lifestyles, different backgrounds, but they're striving for, you know, fitness yeah. or kind of hel- or a healthy lifestyle or to achieve something or competitiveness. Stuff, yeah. So it's almost moved from physical attributes to something which is more kind of, I suppose, intrinsic, mm. which is, again, your motivation to be a better version of you. I think that's the thing that the brands nowadays have copped a lot more in that you can't just engage in overt forms of sexualization for either of the um no matter who you're marketing towards effectively because you're gonna get you're gonna get called out for it. Um but brands are still doing the same thing. It's the same psych uh, marketing psychology one oh one but you're just using different characteristics to actually form or create brands that people are ultimately attracted to. Well they mentioned in it though that nowadays brands are more more interested in the whole area of, you know, we've talked about before in terms of politics, social, you know, dilemmas, I suppose, that are going on at the moment, you know, whereas they weren't more so then. So, like, it was all about how we looked, what we were part of, being part of the cool kids, as you said. So, like, I suppose when people wore those clothes back then that they had to make sure that they that those people wearing the clothes had to feel different. It's almost like a God complex kind of thing, like, you know, that I'm above everyone else when I start wearing this kind of clothing. No, you're absolutely right. And even if you listen to the way that the models the model spoke like, I mean, if you tell uh, 18, 19, 20 year old that you're out front and you're being classified as a model and that's how they Mm. did it after there was a court case taken against them that anyone that was, I can't remember the exact phraseology, but they basically split their staff into you were models. Impact was the other one. Impact, which was Mm. a stock, someone who was working in the stock room effectively and Just to give them a title but keep them Well, that was it. But ultimately, if you were a model, you were out front and you were the one selling the different types of, um, the different types of clothing. But it got very, very insidious then because they had quotas on the amount of Asian people, for example, that they would actually hire. Um, They wouldn't, there was one girl that won a case because um she was fired because she didn't or she wasn't able to adhere to the dress code. Mm. The reason she wasn't able to adhere to the dress code is because she had an amputated arm basically and she couldn't um she couldn't wear yeah. the uniform obviously in the way that it was meant to be worn by the, the fucking bloody six pack fell on the photo. So again there's and again look it comes back to the most and again I remember um, doing a project back in my old college days when I was in college and it was a different brand it was an Irish brand at the time but even at the time we were kind of looking at this from a kind of a logical perspective which obviously marketing isn't right marketing is all about emotions but looking at this from a logical perspective it was kind of like they're selling clothes but no one's wearing clothes in any of the yeah. adverts you know yeah. what I mean so again it isn't it isn't about the style it's about the, the physique behind the style yeah. which I think is very very interesting yeah what you're going to get out of it Um the guy that took it over, um, sorry. So, it was a it was a brand running a hundred years at this stage, and um, very much towards kind of hunting, fishing, that kind of style of things in in America. But this guy called um, Les Wexner came in and took it over, and he was kind of referred to as the Merlin of the mall in the U.S. And he had a load of brands behind him in terms of having their the limited bat and body, probably most notably known Victoria's Secret, um, and he was just this retail mastermind that knew exactly what to do. He tried everything with, with Abercrombie and Fish and it kind of got somewhere, but it wasn't until, as you already mentioned, the guy Mike Jeffries came in and he took it over as CEO. And that's when the, the, the brand that we know it as today kind of took fruition. But he kind of came in with this, says he came in with this kind of theory or formula that elitism plus heritage plus sex appeal plus exclusivity. And that's what it was. That's, that was Abercrombie and Fish kind of tied down. Like, so going on the whole area of the heritage of, you know that they're kind of 
the, 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 sorry, the masculine side of things, the elitism, the top sports people, whatever field they were in, obviously the sex appeal of having the guys and and, and uh, no tops on and all that, and the ex- exclusivity then of going towards certain types of people. But then this was all captured then by the photographer. Um, I can't think of his name now at the moment, but Weber, I think, was the second name. Um, whereas he was kind of going purely for, as you said, that style of the black and white photo, half-naked models in the picture, and obviously these being planted all over the place. And it was just kind of this little group of kind of from the top pushing this image the whole way through the brand. And that's when it kind of started unraveling, I suppose, you know, to, to cause the issues. But it makes sense. But again, what I find, and again, marketing nowadays is more like if you do a case study on something like Abercrombie, like you gave the formula there, right? And at the time, okay, it becomes, it's very, very strategically well thought out from a business perspective, not an ethical perspective, but a business perspective. And again, Back in the kind of 90s, we'll say, when they had this formula, if you played on something like um, historic form or legacy forms of masculinity, for example, which are, again, more about physique or whatever you want to call it, then that's a very, very easy thing to play into because it's a stereotype that everybody knows. And Marlborough have done the same thing mm-hmm. in the past with the, the Marlborough man, again, that rugged cowboy kind of feel and so on and so forth. I think what's different nowadays is that society's conceptualization of what masculinity is is very very fragmented and therefore like so you look at things like um as opposed to having things like hegemonic masculinity which are focused on things like physique bread being the breadwinner all this sort of stuff that scene is very very dated now you've got multiple masculinity theory whereby you know people feel masculine if they vote for example if yeah. they're a good parent if they're a good father if whatever the story is you know what I mean so there's all of these different things now that filter into what masculinity is and it makes it very very difficult then for brands to create um to, to kind of create attention it, for yeah. themselves using symbol symbols and using symbolic imagery that one it's harder to get in front of people because social media and everything's fragmented anyway but also because people's interpretation is a lot more critical now I think than it possibly was previously or at least it was it was harder to be very very dominant in terms of creating a certain symbol for your brand like you would have been able to do in the past so I think it's actually a really really interesting case study of almost stupid caveman branding that really really worked really really well not not even the branding then in terms of the in-store experience then was kind of like no other I suppose as well like even simple things like having the shutters or whatever on the front window and no, you know, there was no window shopping experience that you couldn't actually see anything. So it created that air of mystery that dragged people into the store to see what was going on. You walk in then, you're obviously hit by the very, very attractive looking people working there. But then you're also um, hit by the smell of the place, which is a distinct cologne that they yeah, yeah. pumped into the air, basically. Banging tunes. Uh, you barely hear each other speaking when you go into the place. So Did you just use the phrase tunes. banging tunes? Banging tunes. Bit bag of cans and banging tunes. Like one. Um, yeah, I can go away with that, am I? <laughs> <laughs> but that whole idea of, like, you know, we would talk about it before in terms of, um, you know, the theory out there of uh, atmospheric marketing that's going to hit all the senses when you go in and it's kind of going to attract you. That's purely what they were playing on in every shop that they went into. And this guy, Mike Jeffries, was so. Um, strict on how he wanted every store to run that in apparently in the headquarters where they had all the the, the main management teams now working he set up mock stores and that he would walk in before it was rolled out throughout the whole company he would be so specific on every little area of how it should look and how it should be run and how 
that model should be facing and that mannequin should be facing there. You know, it was just like in that kind of thing, I, I actually, you know, I think that's the way it should be when you're at that level, like, you know, to, to be so particular about that area. But obviously it was the the other stuff that was gone behind was kind of letting everything down. Yeah, it was discriminatory, it. which was yeah. odd given that he looks like Yoda's left testicle. He got a few, he got a few jobs done. Have you got, got a few jobs here and there? Well, yeah. wouldn't you? He was on, what does he? He was on 40 million a year he was on. But you'd like to think, and this is going a bit, this is going a bit left of field, but like, like literally, like if you had 40 million a year in the salary, you would not care what you look. You would just say, I don't care. I don't care. But I'm like, what, what are you talking about, you idiots? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But um, no, it's, it is, a, I have to say, it is a fascinating, um, it is a fascinating case. And again, they haven't really recovered. Like they still exist, obviously, they're still there. Um, the brand architecture is structured in a very, very interesting way in that you've got Hollister, which caters for the kind of high school kids still. Um, you've got Amber Crombie, which still caters for the um, um, caters for the college uh, kid. And then you've obviously got Rule then, which comes afterwards as more of a kind of a sports and leisure brand. So again, very clever in terms of the transitionary period of once you get a, co- a customer hooked into one, you transition them nicely onto the next brand. So no, the over, like as a business strategy, and as an exercise in branding, really, really fascinating. But some of the stuff that that company got involved in was absolutely ridiculous. And even the t-shirts that they brought out, which were very, very racist. Yeah. Um, there was one. Just if I check my if I if I check my notes here very, very quickly, there sure were these t-shirts which was, um, basically it was a kind of a graphic image, shall we say, which said uh, the Wong Brothers yeah. Laundry Service, and then the slogan was Two Wongs Can't Make It White." Which two Wongs make a white, yeah. Two Wong, yeah, can, can make it white, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. like, I mean, but how they even taught insane. that? But that was the thing. It was very, very clear that every, as I already said, every decision made was from the top down. Do you know? And they were putting out these T-shirts that that wasn't the only one. By the way, there was stuff to do with different religions and everything. Um, they were signed off from day one, and it kind of came to it came to the stage where some of the designers, I think, in the in the, the documentary, are saying like, you know, we were given a kind of rap on the knuckles, but saying. Don't do that again, but but keep do it, on doing but it. Keep like, on doing yeah, it, yeah, like you know, because yeah, yeah. you know they were getting the publicity from it. Like you know, people were coming into the store to buy it. Like, but I think it's even where that can go even terribly wrong is like that's obviously taught out and it's not reactive to anything. But like the whole area of reactive marketing, where you're quick on to the mark. You know, you see a lot of kind of personalized t-shirt companies doing it, and next thing they print something, and it's like very insensitive. Two or three days later, it can go so wrong when you're in that game. Yeah, they weren't even thinking about that though, and it was the thing was it was working for them. Like, even though there was people, and again, it was this this phrase, which is very, very, the most insidious phrase, and they keep on using it throughout, and all of the the leadership team throughout the documentary keep on saying it, this all-American, yeah, which in their mind was obviously white, macho, um, uh, heterosexual, just jock kind of male or female. That was kind of what they were going for, which again, the fact that, that then became so popular says a lot about again people's aspirations and how they're probably easily led and again this is during 90s 90s early noughties and so on one of my favorite lines and it was from uh one of the ladies she was saying that the the kind of structure they were told to to the base the brand on was the goal is not to give them what they ask for but to get them to ask for what you're offering and i thought that was a phenomenal line and yeah you know to, to kind of explain it's like the whole thing of you know trying to please needs when it comes to marketing and you know fill wants and all that but no you have a certain products you make them want what you already have they're the trendsetters like again there's a lot of and again it's the classic 
do you go for product market fit or do you have the assumption that no the market doesn't know what it wants yeah we'll tell and them. we'll tell them what yeah. the market wants and again that's the power of branding right and again there's no and again I'd say people go and watch the the, the documentary because it actually goes through all the different types of visuals and how they borrowed from different types of culture and trends at certain moments and times and how people were reacting to that and again it was the most influential brand for a certain generation at a particular moment in time and it's again it's an incredible case study in just how you can manipulate but such you, a large portion of the population but you know? it's not an old thing like you know there is so many brands doing that today in terms of the aspiration stuff like even apple do you know about going out and constantly buying the next apple product comes out not that there's much changes in it like but they're, they're that's the same brand doing the exact same thing again yeah but i think it depends on what so again i think brands like i said earlier on i think brands have got smarter about this in that now they're appealing to people in well, ways that aren't as obvious like that you know <laughs> exactly but even the the kind of the physical or the the kind of the um the look kind of stuff obviously you had that trend with the influencer marketing right and even now that's kind of catching up so like marketing comes in peaks and troughs cycles right everything changes so i'm not saying that marketers nowadays don't use physical attributes as a means of selling their product no they absolutely do do that but there are more examples of marketers being very very clever in terms of how that is framed in terms of their advertising than you would do um traditionally so again the example of gymshark everyone who's modeling for gymshark is just a herculean type figure predominantly yeah. speaking now again there's a few outliers and stuff like that for because you know inclusivity but ultimately the the majority of them and even if they do user generated content user generated content is predominantly yeah. of people who are very very know how to take a photo as well exactly yeah. that kind of thing so again even though um they're framing it in terms of we want to attract people who are motivated to achieve things and be competitive and again not necessarily wrong with that but it's a different type of aspiration that you are putting in front of people rather than it just being a very very obvious this person looks really, really good. You need to be look very, very good. Therefore, buy Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah, you know, and we probably did not even play down slightly about the actual repercussions that they they got. They got serious amount of court cases. They'd be about fifty million in damages. What was interesting was they were appointed a court, basically a supervisor, babysitter, to kind of watch over all the decisions being made. Um, you know, including into all their policies in terms of inclusivity and all that, and taking away every bit of racism and sexist and everything which didn't it. really happen right it didn't they hired a diversity officer or whatever it was called um which he speaks out in the documentary but by the end of it there were so many cases going against the photographer the the ceo eventually the actual owner of the company as well a new ceo stepped in in 2015 i think um fran horowitz who's still there today but your man mike jeffries walked away with a nice 27 million retirement they package do. they yeah. always do Go away, keep your head between your legs and don't say nothing. Kind exactly, of thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So speaking of court cases, one thing that has gripped the attention of every single user of Twitter, Instagram, and anyone who's just generally in the world at the moment is the court case with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, which is being <laughs> broadcast on court TV in the United think, States, yeah. which is just, it's phenomenal viewing every all together. It's, it's incredible. Not even, it's not even the artist's impression. It's not like the highlights, it's... Everything. everything. Yeah. It's absolutely everything. Now, I've never seen, because look, this has happened before, right? So, OJ Simpson's trial, you that was broadcast. Or whatever all that kind of stuff yeah. was all broadcast, right? But this is just playing out way differently. Um, and I don't know, is it the, like, what I find fascinating, because obviously, look, Depp's kind of legal team were up first, right? 
and now kind of Amber Heard is being is being um is 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 up in the stand kind of today tomorrow a couple of days afterwards. But what's fascinating is the narrative was set by people watching oh, Depp they, yeah. and his behaviour the first couple of days. Mm-hmm. People have made up their their minds, mm-hmm. and it is a trial by PR. It mm-hmm. is absolutely incredible. It's almost how I would see it is that it's almost at the stage where by the legal judgment almost doesn't matter because He's Depp won. has won the yeah. cultural battle already. Which and is almost that's more important to him because he'll back into oh, jobs, absolutely. back into work. Do you know? It's a fascinating it's a fascinating way to actually see a court case on on kind of unravel. Now, what I thought was interesting is that obviously, look, they knew that this was going ahead in terms of like Amber Heard was losing this kind of what would you want to call a public battle or public war? So public hearts. <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> um so last week um she sacked um her um pr team which was uh, called precision strategies um so that was a firm based out of new york which was run by stephanie cutter and she was a former advisor to president barack obama during his first term in office so obviously a very very reputable, intelligent yeah. yeah reputable kind of an agency um so depp is suing her for 50 million dollars um over her 20 sorry alleged 2018 Washington Post chronicling um, her experiences as a domestic violence survivor. Um, and Depp obviously denies that any of this has happened and that it's cost him a huge amount of um, a huge amount of money and so on and so forth. So, I think, what did he say? It cost, he was asked to understand what is it cost him and he said nothing short of everything. Yeah, which is a very Johnny Depp yeah, thing yeah, to yeah. say. Like, I mean, now I would say like, I'm not commenting on the end result because I don't know, right? Mm. I'm not following it enough to actually make a logical judgment on who is right and who is wrong. All I'm seeing is a lot of TikTok content, which is framing. And again, it's... It's like everything we talked about in terms of the political stuff and everything. You're going to see the algorithms are going to feed you based on what you're consuming. So, like, it could be one or two ways, but all we are seeing is... Johnny Depp is laughing again. He's making a fool out of the lawyers. He's doing, you know, you're, and that's the, head, all the, the headline is Johnny Depp decimates yeah. um, Amber Heard's lawyer or whatever the situation is, you know, which again, I think it, like, I mean, there is a more serious thing here because we spoke, like, so to be fair, we always speak about this in terms of your Trumps, your Brexits, your Beckham, whatever else it is. And we say it's terrible because of that. This is probably a bit more, it's not, it's not, I'm not going to say it's not as serious because it is obviously domestic violence, but at the same time, it's two celebrities and even the judge is kind of going, for the love of God, this is just surreal. And some of the stories are just like, whatever. But it again, it does present an issue whereby even myself as someone who knows that the algorithms are structured in this particular way, um, I'm being sucked into it a hundred percent. And again, for me, I'm looking at it and it's almost like it's almost humor. It's almost like it's it's it's, it's Big Brother. That's what it is. Like even the the first thing that I saw about the trial was when um, uh, Amber Heard's uh, lawyer turned around to Depp and said, um, uh, "You drank a mega a pint mega of pint. wine." Yeah. Like a mega pint, <laughs> a large yes, glass, <laughs> a large glass of wine. Or the other one that he had, which is a quote, was um, there was a photograph presented of him <laughs> where he had the ice cream all over him. And uh, in the typical droll depth sort of voice, he goes, uh, Amber gave me the ice cream. I was not partaking in the festival of ice cream. It was just so funny. Like, But again, like Depp, Depp is good at that, right? So it's very hard to actually discern until the judgment is made 
what is actually right or what is actually wrong, which, again, I find fascinating just from uh, looking at it abstractly, being entertained by it, and yet knowing that I shouldn't be being entertained by it and knowing that this isn't how a trial should happen and is one, just very, very interesting. And one step further, I'm watching this with the two of them, especially more so when Amber's on the stage, I'm watching it with their reactions thinking... These are two professional actors. They are absolutely. You know, it's, so it's, it's bizarre. And again, it seems like it's more about like they don't need the money, right? No. So it's more but about even the fact that the they culture to, war. You're at that level that you going into a court case. Oh, I'll get a PR firm involved. You know, you're at that level, like you know. So, um, it'd be interesting to see what way it plays out. But um, as you said, she's going. It's not that she has to do something or turn it around or fix it, but no matter what so far unless something tragically goes the other way he's after winning it already it is yeah no I, I, te- I tend to agree now yeah I don't know and I haven't really made my mind up on this yet but like it, just, it does just say a lot and look again there's the stuff going on in Ukraine at the moment just come out of Covid people are looking for a bit of lightheartedness and anywhere that they can find it people don't want to get sucked into the kind of this dark content constantly but there is something that has to be said about, like, it is a serious topic. It is about domestic abuse. Either Johnny Depp abusing Amber Heard or it's Amber Heard abusing Johnny Depp. It's one or the other, mm-hmm. right? So there is something very, very serious and insidious going on here. And the fact that it's after turning into a circus, there's probably something not great about that either. But again, look, I think, I think it's one worth revising when it's all over and done with. And seeing what the kind of public reaction is at that point. And again, something could happen tomorrow which flips everything on its head mm. straight away. So I, I just find the whole thing, the whole thing is fascinating from a just a consumer perspective and looking at how people are did reacting. Did she hire to it. in a new PR firm? She did, yeah. I don't know the names of them now exactly, but yeah, there's a new P- PR firm. I, won- I wonder if she was given the chance to sack her solicitor. <laughs> sack her solicitor. <laughs> so a solicitor is brute, I have to say. Like, again, just reading the. Is that yeah. your signature? Yeah. Yes, that is my signature. For the third time, yeah, For yes. the third time, yes. You read that beautifully. He's um, good, no, good. He's, and again, he's a comedian, right? Yeah. That's what he is. Like, you know, all the characters that he's playing are almost <laughs> coming out in this. And then then you're kind of asking yourself, is he always just paying, playing himself when he's playing these characters? Yeah, yeah. Or is he using his knowledge of how people perceive, perceive these him. characters to create a character They're that he's attached to using. the characters. Are they attached to him no, if he does it this way? Yeah, yeah. no, it's a, it's a fascinating kind of a, it's a very, very interesting kind of a, a kind of a PR war that's going on at the moment, I think. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that over the next couple of weeks. So, um, I suppose in, in other news there, it's after popping up in the last... Is there anything fun that we can actually talk about? So to already today we've had <laughs> sexualization of advertising with one of the worst brands of all time and we've had a domestic abuse case that is basically playing out in TikTok. Is there anything fun that we can fucking talk about while, fun, I, no. while I finish off? What is actually, in fairness, it's actually a very, 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 very nice um, beer, Yellow Belly. Very nice. I'm impressed by it. No, it is very nice. Um, very drinkable is what I'd say. Like, Jolly, sometimes with these, they're nice, but you could only have one or two. Very heavy. I could sink. Nice and light, actually. I could sink seven or eight of them down on water. And, and, and we might do by the time we take down, <laughs> we, t- we take down all the lighting and stuff later on. Sorry, Owen. <laughs> um, fun, fun. Right. Uh, how about Tinder? I love Tinder. Right, okay. That we sounded go. weird. I like news about Tinder. <laughs> Keep that in. Keep that in. Um, but this one could be for you. Actually, no, it can't really be. But lo- Tinder are launching pop-up pubs uh, in the UK aimed at singles and their dogs. You don't have a dog, Dave. 
Oh, you lend you want. Uh, Tinder is launching pop-up pub experiences aimed at bringing singles and their dogs together. The Bark and Spark are pubs aimed at celebrating dogs being the ultimate dating partner. Three of the pubs launching this weekend, London, Manchester and Edinburgh. Bark and Spark does sound a lot better than doggy dating, to be fair. It could have went <laughs> very wrong there. It could have went very, very badly. Uh, but it's like the Thursday day. Again, it's like with all these dating, unless you create an environment whereby people can actually physically meet up with each other, and that's either via a very, very good algorithm um, with all your security and safety guards, people who haven't watched episode one, watch episode one, we talk all about that kind of stuff. But again, you need physical, or you need... Um, Just for clarification, people going back to listen to one, episode 33. Huh? Episode 33. I mean the first video episode. Yeah, like, of course I fucking do. <laughs> no, the very first episode. They um, fucking say nothing They'll know that. straight away. <laughs> Go back and watch episode one anyway. It's a beautiful 30 episodes to start off with. But like, like the, the, point, the point here is that brands like that, if they want people to actually keep on using the app, are going to have to engage in more experiential yeah. forms of, like you can call it marketing or you can just it's call anything, it just events just apps, anyway. Anything. You can't just... Go through the motions and keep doing what we're doing. You know, you have to kind of invent it and change and it. We up. saw Thursday. Thursday are doing it right, and they're doing it very, very well. Um, Tinder, I've never heard of them kind of doing something like this as such. So, and it makes sense. And look, and even look, something as small as that, right? So break it down to its lowest common denominator. In that, a lot of people that go on first dates are nervous when they go on first yeah. dates, right? That's logical. If you have, if you both have dogs, what can you talk about? Your fucking dogs. Yeah. What's your dog? Watch every everyone. That's exactly what people are going to talking about. Oh, where do? You, what is your dog? What's your dog's name? Why'd you pick the dog? What's the dog like? Then the dogs. The dogs could. The dogs are going on dates or, as well. Or, or realistically, they end up killing each other. They're killing each other. It's one or the other. But again, it again it it structured it structures the event in such a way whereby people lose the nervousness mm. very very quickly. Um, but then, of course, people could get on with someone very, very quickly. And trying to get rid of the dog. And then trying to get rid of the dog. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So, no, it's a good, it's, um, no, well done, I, I, I think uh, there was an interesting line. That was funner. Any more of those? Like uh, any more of those kind of ones? Well, we here, should just do all of them from now on. For any of for any of our listeners now that, that use Tinder. marketing bullshit. There <laughs> was a big twist of events there, all right. For any of our users, uh, listeners, that use the app, um, Having a dog in a Tinder profile picture can generate 5% more matches, according to Tinder. And among the top dog, Huskies are most popular dog uh, to have featured, followed by Golden Retrievers and German Shepherds. One of, my big friend, husky. one of my friends who you know, but I won't tell you who it is on the podcast, I'll tell you afterwards. Is that them? Um, no, 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 <laughs> is, uh, was actually going to set up like a consultancy service where he would help people put together their Tinder profiles because they were just very, very good at it. Um, so they were going to... Sh- I'm going through who's someone in my head who give this me, is. G- give me your phone there for a couple of hours and we'll get the photos done and the bio and the whole fucking lot, like, you know? It's the new Great, form yeah. of CV uh, building. Absolutely, that's what it is, like, you know? So, but again, it's it's attention marketing, right? Ultimately, yeah. you very, very quick decision making. Building your personal brand. Fuck off. With your fucking personal brand. <laughs> Go on, give me that something that brand, you have brand. So I actually, I was, um, so news that came out uh, earlier on today, which I don't think you're aware of because you were busy driving the um, driving the car. But um, interestingly enough, Apple earlier on today announced that the iPod has now been discontinued. Oh. They are no longer 
manufacturing. I can't remember the last time I saw an iPod. iPod. <laughs> yeah, I know, and neither could I, to be honest with you. So, 20 years after it was released. The, as in, like, the all, like, the big, the, what was it called? The nan, was it the nano? No, hang it? on, no, hang on here now. So, I'm going to do a quiz. Oh, I've already won the quiz. So. No, 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 no. This is the quiz. So, they've been around for the last 20 years there, thereabouts, and a lot of them discontinued and so on and so forth. Since Apple launched the iPod, there have been five different versions <laughs> of the iPad. Can you name them? And if you name them, I'll get you a can of yellow. I'll get, <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you. I'll get you. I'll get you a nice whiskey next time we're out. Oh, right. Okay. You had the nano. Ding. You had the shuffle. Ding. Heck. Owen's trying to whisper, but he can't shout too loud because you pick him up on the microphone. I know, that's what he is. You can hear him like, who's, the, who's the strange there was voice? Some, there was Nano background. something. There was, I think there was a version of the Nano. No, I'll give you a clue. There is only one Nano here. There's only one Nano. Yeah. Uh, oh, fuck it, no, no. Owen might help. Owen, go on, give us a shout. Did you say shuffle? I said shuffle. What about just the normal iPod? Was there such thing as normal iPod? I'll give I'll give you norm yeah so classic classic iPod okay no after that I'm done and there's two there's two more I don't know can't name them there was the one there was the little one the little one with the clip on it that's the nano, that's the nano is it that was the big one then was that the classic so I'll, just give, so I'll give you the I'll give yeah that was the classic so right. ultimately so there was the classic which you got yeah the second version was the touch ah uh, so it was the oh, that. There was the shuffle, which you oh, got. I had the shuffle, that's why, yeah. There was, which I'm disappointed you didn't get, the mini. I should, that's... And then yeah. there was the nano. So, no nice whiskey for you, but you've got to get me one because you lost the quiz. Mm. So, that's how that works. So, that's the end of, um, the end of Dave's Dave's quiz, or yeah. whatever we're calling this segment of the show going forward. General trivia. <laughs> General trivia, yeah, exactly. Do you notice I topped up your snakes as well this week? You did, and I came in, and there's um, Love Hearts. There's Love Hearts there, yeah. Yeah. Just the listeners you. will know what Love Hearts are. Absolutely amazing. Now, again, don't fucking eat them, please. They, they were also mind. gifted to us. But yeah. So another bit of news that literally just came in as we were coming on air, effectively, is that EA Sports, who are the well-renowned video game producer, have announced that FIFA 23 will be the very last in its long-running series of football video games mm. to be replaced by a new franchise called EA Sports FC. And you can actually see it on Twitter in the last number of hours. A lot of clubs have been tweeting out, delighted to be part of this new series, obviously okay. branded and all the rest of it, but effectively that. But it's very... Um, Again, it's probably good to go to the top, but it's very, very interesting to see a brand kill off one of their most successful products. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for years, like growing up in the schoolyard, it was, are you a pro evolution yeah. soccer man or are you a FIFA yeah. man, ultimately? Yeah. And my God, if you were in the wrong, like if you went over to someone's house. FIFA was always much stronger, though. Always. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Should they had to, like, you mean so? Like, FIFA, I wouldn't be massing the game, but I always, I definitely always had a game of FIFA knocking around somewhere. Oh, yeah. So yeah. FIFA always had the right. So, like, yeah. I mean, if you played Pro Evolution Soccer, you used to play with, like, Red Brick FC or whatever they're called. That would be Man United. Right. They okay. didn't have any of the rights oh, to, okay, any, right. to anything, basically, do you know? It's like, where are they based? Yeah. So it's just a Red Brick Football Club. Um, but that's why they were always, Joe, they were always the dominant kind of, um, they were always the dominant kind of brand. But oh, there was some great games back in the day. I think it was FIFA. 
Oh, it was in 96. You could do like indoor football. There was FIFA Street. I remember FIFA Street, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to the FIFA side of things, like they include in, am I right in saying the League of Ireland and stuff as well? So does that mean York or Cork City were in it? Were they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're not in it at the moment because we're relegated. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention the war. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're top of the league. Yeah, we're we're in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but no, we'll be be back in it next year. We're back in it for this. We'll we'll light a candle. This iteration, exactly. Yeah. And what way does that work? Like, do they. Like, do they come down and approach the club and tell them we're including you? Or that, like, you know, no sort of system. mock up the, of no, the players? No, no, there's systems in place. You send up whatever headshots, um, send up your jersey specs, whatever things meant to look like. There's then people who rank the players for their different kind of stats and all that kind of jazz. So it's all... You, you wouldn't want your rel- top player to be ranked down low, would it's you? Rel- <laughs> I know, yeah. It's, rel- it's relatively scientific, actually, to be fair, how they do it. But yeah, but no, the, the main news is that they're, um, they're creating this new brand franchise whatever you want to call it, it and they're the going big to start of the game though wasn't it? it was like EA Sports isn't it? it's, in that was it, yeah. it's in the game yeah, it's good so that's kind of it I think for this week um, yeah so we got through yeah we got through the documentary but if anyone has any recommendations of other marketing or businessy type documentaries to review mm. and have a chat about by all means send in suggestions there's a couple on of good TikTok ones there now on Netflix yeah yeah we do Fire Festival Next fire festival, fire festival. Because I you watch, I haven't watched it yet. I know have I should have, I should have, but I haven't oh watched no, it. I'm going to send it yet. There is nothing more fascinating about watching a factual documentary about a lot of rich white kids being stranded on an island in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Mm. Like it's absolutely brilliant. I put it on the list. So, uh, for anyone else, just in case you forgot, the the one who was white hot was the name of the, the documentary, we're which kind of sums up. The actual yeah, sums up the actual uh, the the core tenant of the documentary in and of itself and what that brand stood for, I suppose. Good stuff. So, thanks again to everyone for joining us this week. You can follow us again on social media. Subscribe. Thanks to Owen, our producer. Thanks again to the guys down in Wexford and Yellow Belly Beer for sending up some brew. Looking after a fellow Wexford fella here. It's uh, him, by the way. It's not yeah. me. I'm not <laughs> no, fucking. He's not, definitely not, not one of them. Uh, so thanks very much, guys. We'll chat to you again next week. Talk to you later. <laughs>